the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Difference Makers. Welcome. My name is Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, now on 106.3 FM in East Portland and Vancouver, 93.9 KPDQ, AM 860 The Answer, KPAM, La Patrona 1640, 93.1 LRAN, 104.1 The Fish. And thanks to our friends at Pathways Clinic Family and Pregnancy Resource Center, Capital Ministries, and He Gets Us. We'd like to invite you to team up with KPDQ at our 2023 Pastor Appreciation Breakfast. So, if you're a pastor or ministry leader, let us say thank you starting at 8 a.m. on Friday, October 6th with a delicious breakfast, fun, fellowship, plus keynote speaker Darren Mulligan, lead singer of the band We Are Messengers, and worship led by the amazing Ben Fuller. KPDQ wants to honor all pastors, associate pastors, ministry leaders, and key staff members who serve at your church. So, invite the whole team and their spouses to this free event. Secured gated parking is absolutely free at the Doubletree by Hilton in Portland. All we ask is that you register online now at kpdq.com. That's kpdq.com. And someone attending our 2023 Pastor Appreciation Breakfast is going to walk out with free tickets to see We Are Messengers, Cochrane & Company, and Ben Fuller later that night at the Elsinore Theater in Salem. I'd also love to talk with you about expanding your ministry, business, or school beyond your walls, establishing yourself as an authority in your field, and becoming more known through radio, podcasting, and events. And most importantly, if your ministry leader or pastor could use a phone call, a word of encouragement, a cup of coffee, or connection to others, please email me at mikeley at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at K-P-D-Q dot com. Our very special guest today is a local Portland area author. Her name is Rebecca Cancelosi, and her book is Becoming an A to Z Journey of Hope and Healing. And Rebecca is buddies with some longtime friends of ours at K-P-D-Q, being Jeff and Tara Matson and Dorcas Brown Smith. So, welcome, author Rebecca Cancelosi. How are you today? So good. Thank you so much for having me today. It's an absolute privilege. And I want to make sure that people know about a very special event happening this Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. And that's going to be your official book released party at Northeast Community Fellowship Church on Northeast Stanton Street in Portland. So can you tell us, do you have any connections to that church? Yeah, the reason I chose this church to have my book launch is I'm in relationship with several people in that community and that church who've just really and radically impacted my spiritual journey. In relationship with Pastor Mary and George Merriweather, who have pastored that church for 31 years faithfully, in that same community. And 
I have become friends and come into relationship with them and really have learned and grown in my faith as I have crossed the bridges of Portland and come into different streams of faith than my own, leaving the walls of my evangelical church and entering into the charismatic and contemplative streams of faith have um, given me the ability to grow in my faith and really see the fullness of the, that the Father has for me. Oh, I love it. So can you give us the big picture about your book, Becoming an A to Z Journey of Hope and Healing? So Rebecca, what inspired you to write this in the first place? Becoming an A to Z Journey of Hope and Healing is a book that was birthed in me after a long season of healing. I have a story, a burnout story, a story of being broken, burnout, busted up emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially. And after entering into a time of healing and restoration from that brokenness and coming to a place of healing is when um, Becoming was written. So at the time you were burning out, where were you serving, Rebecca Cantalosi? I was serving in my local church. I was serving as the president in my private Christian school. I was serving as leader of Bible study, mom of this. I was leader of this, everything you can imagine, way too much. So I was just overdoing it across the board with my efforts of doing in the name of Jesus. I have heard a theory it's called 80-20, and that's 80% of the work at a church or in a ministry is often done by the same 20% of the people, which makes that 20% so much more prone to becoming burned out. So in your experiences over the years, Rebecca, do you think there's any truth to that theory? Yeah, I think that there's people who feel compelled to be the helper, and churches are the place where the helpers in their brokenness go to serve sometimes and get to a place of burnout. And so for sure, I think that um, the people who are predispositioned to be helpers are the one that kind of rise up in the churches. And um, it's not that the church overworks them. I made a choice. I chose to do in the name of Jesus, and I got it all backwards. So... For those of us who classify ourselves as people pleasers, those whose natural tendency is prone to say yes and almost afraid to say no to anything, Mm -hmm. do you have any good suggestions? Boundaries. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. (laughs) Um, Yeah, suggestions is, are you listening to your limits? Are you listening to how do you feel and what do you need? Are you getting appropriate rest? What does your body need and why are you serving till the point of exhaustion? So sitting with those questions and asking yourself, why am I showing up the way that I'm showing up in the spaces and places that I am is really important to ask ourselves because are we serving in the name of Jesus or are we showing up to help because we're people pleasers or because We're predispositioned to think that God will only love us for what we do. So in a way, Rebecca Cancelosi, doesn't it go back to identity? Where do we find our identity? If I'm completely 
confident that I am loved for who I am by God, not by what I do on this earth. Isn't it easier for me to be able to say no? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because when we know that we're loved for who we are, not for what we do, then we can just rest and there's nothing else I have to do for God. There's nothing I have to do for him to be loved by him. But I grew up with a theology and a jacked up mindset that God would love me if I did more for him. People would love me if I did more to be loved by them. And it was all a lie. It was all a big fat lie. I think a lot of us have experienced that same mindset, Rebecca Cancelosi. So let's backtrack a little, shall we? Where did you grow up in the first place? Okay, I grew up on the most beautiful place on the entire earth. I grew up on the island of Oahu in Hawaii. So my childhood was picture-perfect paradise beauty. Behind my home were the Ko'olau Mountains, that when you look at them, you gasp because of their beauty staring back at you. To the right out of my backyard, I looked at the Kaneohe Bay, which is glassy and beautiful. And you know that um, that show, Gilligan's Island? I do. It was literally filmed on this island that I stared at from my backyard. So I was born and raised in the Hawaiian Islands, yet I'm a white freckled howly looking girl with blonde hair that did not fit in in a very brown culture that's funny my mom grew up in oahu she was on prospect street down the road from roosevelt high school where both she and many years later bruno mars graduated from and my grandpa refused to sell so directly next to their small house and their large yard is a high-rise apartment building (laughs) Oh, so it really is a small world. So how on mm-hmm. earth did you end up in Oregon after being raised in Hawaii? Yeah, I I came to Oregon to go to college. And I went to I started out at Western Oregon State College and that wasn't that wasn't for me. I ended up at Portland State College. Um Monmouth is a very small town and it just was a struggle for me, but I graduated at Portland State University and left and went on to work at Intel and corporate, 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 lived the corporate life. Um, harder, faster, stronger, performance-driven life. That was me. Which really affirmed your misconceptions about being loved by people for what you did, not for who you are. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because um, the corporate world is all about production and performance, and I was good. I could get it done, and I was great at performing. And so it was an unwind and a re, an undoing inside. I used to say, I have Intel inside after I left Intel, and um, that had to get unwound in me and definitely reframed with more of my identity of who God says I am. So flashback to Oahu. Was yours a, a Christian church-going family? Yeah, we did. As as children, we did go to church, and we did. Um, we were exposed to Jesus, and that happened through about high school. But we had a catastrophic failure, moral failure in our family that I would say led several of my siblings away from God. So I was raised in the church and with Jesus as a child, and a um, little bit of shift happened after that. So 
I'm sorry to hear that, Rebecca. I, I can only imagine, and I've always found it in some ways easier to witness to the completely unchurched than to someone who's raised in the church but experienced hypocrisy or failures, which every single church out there has to some degree. Yeah. And if our eyes are on what people are doing versus what Jesus has already done, it's real easy to let some catastrophic incident or moral failure really mess with our faith. Yeah, and I love what you said, if our eyes are on the people rather than staring at Jesus. I think that's been the story of my life, actually, is how do I shift my gaze from the people onto God? So how do I learn to behold God and not be staring at the people? How do I see God and stare at God in the midst of the struggle and in the midst of the chaos? And when you go back to, I think it's okay, it's it's in my book and it's in my story to tell this, and I have permission to share this story from my father. So my biological father, we had nine children. So I was raised in a family on the Hawaiian Islands, um, and we ha- I have eight siblings, so nine of us total. And after 31 years of marriage and nine children, my dad had an affair, and he left. And so he left the family, and so there's the story of abandonment, and a, and a story of a father, an earthly father, who distanced and disappeared because of his affair and because of leaving for the other woman. And so what happens when your biological father, you start to form these theologies based on that, um, that, w- that started to become my view of God, is that God was distant and, and he was not near, but he was far. And so that's where that came from in my childhood. And that's what had to get reframed and reshaped and um, reconstructed is my view of who God is and that he loves me for who I am. And I don't have to do anything for him to see me and notice me. I don't have to perform my way for God to love me. So author Rebecca Cancelosi, I want to thank you for your transparency because I'm sure this isn't an easy story for you to share. But it's a processed story. And so when we look back, as Tara Matson um, has encouraged me to do in my past, when we look back into our stories, we don't look back so that we can stay stuck in the muck and the mire and stay stuck in the trauma. We look back so that we can heal and get set free and so that we can grab a hold of what God has for us in the future. And so unpacking my story was really key to receiving the healing and the hope so that I could move forward in life. I love Jeff and Tara Madsen and the Living Wholehearted People, so I'm so glad to have you here as an example of them being able to help you process things, work through them, and move forward as Mm -hmm. a result. And one of those results is her latest book, Becoming an A to Z Journey of Hope and healing. In fact, Rebecca Cancelosi will be having a book release party this Saturday afternoon from 4 to 6 at Northeast Community Fellowship Church on Stanton Street in Portland. I want you to follow Rebecca on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And all the details about Rebecca, her story, and this event will be at the website c2csoulcare.com. The letter C, the number two, the letter C, soulcare.com, which I will link to the Difference Makers page at truetalkit100.com. 
More with author Rebecca Cancelosi next on Difference Makers. Welcome back to Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee, and coming up this Saturday afternoon from 4 to 6 at Northeast Community Fellowship Church on Northeast Stanton Street in Portland is a very special event. It is a book release party featuring Rebecca Cancelosi. Her new book is Becoming an A to Z Journey of Hope and Healing. And before I get back to the story about you, Rebecca, can you give us the view from 30,000 feet? What is this event this Saturday afternoon? Who's going to be there? What might be fun? Why should I come? (laughs) Well, this event is going to be two things. One, to launch my book, Becoming an A to Z Journey of Hope and Healing. Two, it's a cross-cultural communities, two communities coming together, people who maybe wouldn't normally come together. And so we're going to have people who are from multiple streams of faith. We're going to have charismatic, contemplatives, Catholics, evangelicals, all streams of faith coming together at this event. And when multiple streams of faith come together, we experience the fullness of the Father. And so we are going to be having a time of warm, warm welcome. Northeast Community Fellowship is one of the most welcoming churches that I have experienced in the entire Portland area. When I first walked into Northeast Community Fellowship Church, to me, it felt like the closest thing to what I call the Aloha Spirit. In Hawaii, the island that I was raised on, we have the Aloha spirit, and it is warm, and it is welcoming. Aloha says hello, it says goodbye, it's like a hug. Well, the people at this church at Northeast Community Fellowship, they are warm and welcoming. And so they are going to welcome everybody who's coming for this book launch into their church. We're going to have a time of worship with Dorcas Smith, who's from the Brown Sisters, and she is the freest worshiper i know i'm going to say in the entire united states she's my friend and my buddy and um i just love worshiping with her and she's courageous she worships and leads people thousands and thousands of people from the stage and she's joyful and courageous every time she does it so she's going to lead us in worship we adore dorcas in fact i got the privilege of interviewing her and her son before God relieved him of his health issues, thank yes. God. And you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see the record of how well the Blazers do on a night when the Brown Sisters do the national anthem versus when they don't. Just out of curiosity. Okay, okay. So this is a little bit off from, from the announcement, but I get to go with the Brown Sisters when they sing. And sometimes they just say, hey, come with me, Rebecca, and pray before we sing. And so I multiple times just go and pray over her and her sisters before And it is beautiful and breathtaking, and you can feel the glory of God just being released into that entire stadium when they sing the national anthem. Yeah, I love that. So how far did you and Dorcas go back? When did you become friends in the first place? We have actually only been friends for maybe like five years, but we were on this, let's say it's like a committee across the the city, um, and it was multiple pastors from across the city and worship leaders and some teachers. And we had um, half African-Americans and half white people come on to what we were calling a prophetic council. And so that's how I met Dorcas was through this um, citywide prophetic council. 
and we just connected and we became friends and have been friends. But I believe it's about five years. That is so sweet. I'm so encouraged to hear that. Rebecca Cantalosi, not only regarding Dorcas attending your book release gathering this Saturday afternoon, but you also mentioned diversity and how welcomed you felt walking into Northeast Community Fellowship Church in Portland as a blonde-haired white woman walking into a church that's predominantly filled with African-Americans. I love to see that. And my imperfect theology says that the common thread we ought to have is salvation through Jesus and what he has done alone, not by anything we do ourselves. That and the inerrancy and the importance of the Holy Bible. And then after that, we can kind of be all over the place and celebrate our differences. Mm-hmm. I would imagine having mm-hmm. ought to look something like the DMV on a Friday afternoon <laughs> when it comes to you know the oldest of the old, youngest of the young, different ethnicities, languages, and everything. So I'm so excited to see you connect with Northeast Community Fellowship Church. So what else is going on at this okay. book gathering Saturday afternoon? So after Dorcas leads us in worship, then we're going to go into a time of witness. Well, I will be just sharing from my book and sharing the stories of health and hope and healing that um, the work that God has done in my life and how God has showed up just in these moments of total triumph over my trauma, how God has um, really taught me how to see, sit and soak and be saturated in his love. And how his sweetness is sufficient in the midst of the struggle. Whatever struggle anybody is ever going through, God, he is sweet. And so his sweetness is sufficient right in the midst of the struggle. And so I will be sharing about that time. And I'm going to take people into a time of wonder, which will be a little bit more of my spiritual direction side. And having everyone just kind of sit with that question, who are you becoming it's a question that never gets old. If we ask God that on a regular basis, God, who do you say I'm becoming? Who do you want me to be? And who do you want me to become? And we listen for his answer. It's life-changing. It's altering. Because ultimately, God created us. He created each one of us to uniquely become who he designed us to be. So why don't we just pause and listen? And ask that question. So we'll be asking that for everybody who shows up. And then after that, we'll have a time of wrap-up, book sales. And then um, I decided, I turned 50 this year. Happy birthday. Congratulations. Thank you, Thank you very much. It's all you I ever very well, by the way. <laughs> I'm adjusting to 50, but I didn't know how I wanted to celebrate my birthday. So I decided that my book launch was a great time to just celebrate my birthday. So we're actually having birthday cake. And singing to myself (laughs) after the book launch. And so it is a book launch with a purpose. And it's my birthday. But everybody and anybody who hears this is honestly welcome to show up to my birthday party and my book launch. I'm so looking forward to this event, Rebecca Cancelosi, at Northeast Community Fellowship Church on Northeast Stanton Street in Portland this Saturday afternoon. From four to six-ish, including a birthday celebration and Dorcas Brownsmith of the Round Sisters. Anyone else there we might be interested in bumping into? That's a great question. Um, I think I'd just like to highlight Pastor George and Mary Merriweather, 
who are the founders and um, who have really pastored that church for 31 years. The first time I met Pastor George Merriweather, I just saw like he is such a faithful man. I don't know anybody who's done anything for 31 years straight without wavering or getting distracted or deferred or detoured. And so I just really admire Pastor George for pastoring that church. And Pastor Mary pastors right alongside him. And um, she is an amazing woman of God. And so they're two people who are authentic, real, vulnerable, and powerful. And so I have witnessed a spiritual intelligence in them and in their community and their people of church that honestly is something that we need right now for this season of life we need to be increasing our spiritual intelligence and paying attention to what is God doing right now in your life. It's funny you mentioned that, Rebecca Cancelosi, because there certainly is a school of thought that thinks the modern church has dumbed it down and made it too emotional to the point where we're drinking milk, but we're not really getting mentored to our fullest capabilities. Whereas we need to step up and delve deeper into the word and hold each other more accountable. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think I might go a little bit different route on when you say step up. (laughs) I actually had to step down in order to step up. And so my burnout story was a season of me stepping off the stage, stopping leading, stopping speaking, and stepping down so that I could enter into this season of forging intimacy with the Father and really learning to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, so then I could go back out and do what God is calling me to do. And so, so often we start with serving and serving and serving, but people who are hardwired like me to be the helper needed to hear kind of a different message (laughs) of let's just be with Jesus a little bit and let's practice becoming like Jesus before we go and do like Jesus. And so I think that there really actually is a call right now for people to be deepening their intimacy with the Father instead of serving harder, faster, stronger in the church. And it doesn't mean that we're not going to go and be compelled to serve, but if we're serving out of a place of emptiness we're just going to run out. We're going to run out of energy. We're going to run out and be depleted. And God doesn't want us serving from a place of depletion. He wants us serving from a place of being filled up with all the fullness of the Father. Ephesians 3.19, filled with all the fullness that the Father has to offer us. And so I think that it's a season of how can you be forging your intimacy with the Father in heaven? That's what I think the question is right now. It reminds me of the story of Jesus with Mary and Martha, right? So you got the one sister who's doing all of the work, and then you've got the other sister just mm-hmm. simply sitting at Jesus' feet. So how can you tell when you're too much Mary or you're too much Martha? <laughs> Great question. I think if you survey the landscape of your soul and you ask questions like, how am I feeling and what do I need and where's my... What is my temperament at? And so if I am filled up with bitterness, resentment, anger, jealousy, envy, that is a time to pause and sit at the feet of Jesus until he can transform my heart and reconcile me to him first 
so that I can become filled up with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gratefulness, gentleness, and self-control. Well, I only can be filled up with that and be emptied of the bitterness and of the resentment of being too much or a martyr if I've sat at the feet of Jesus and I have reconciled with him and poured my heart and my mind and my soul out to him and been filled up. So just having some sort of a spiritual director in your life help you stay on track when it comes to a more balanced life? Of course, I believe that to be true because I'm a spiritual director. And so for me, the story in my life is that um, I went, after I paused from ministry, I went into a season of healing and did all my trauma work and counseling for about two and a half years. Then I went to see a spiritual director and as I'm staring at this lady in spiritual direction, I thought, that's me. I am so much like this woman. And so we began the journey of me becoming a spiritual director. And so I went back to school to Soul Formation Academy to get my degree in spiritual formation and spiritual direction and um, started that journey of becoming a spiritual director. And so I believe with all my heart, mind, and soul that as I sat in spiritual direction, as I sat there with the spiritual director guiding me, a spiritual director is a person who can often see what you don't see yet. They can be referred to as a soul guide, someone who's journeying alongside you in life. Um, another analogy is a spiritual director is like a doula. And so they are helping you to kind of birth and to notice what is going on and what is God up to maybe when you can't see it. And so when that person is just not better than you, but just have more experience than you, sometimes that what that really does is it just helps you to see from another point of view. And so I believe that spiritual direction is a way to have somebody who is on your team and on your journey, helping you, guiding you, leading you back to the Father. And that when you get distracted or you start to get too far away and distanced, it's somebody who can say, come, come, come closer back to the Father and let's sit with him and be loved by him. Not for what you can do, but for who he created you to be. So, author Rebecca Cancelos, you've written this new book, Becoming an A to Z Journey of Hope and Healing, after the time you yourself were experiencing spiritual burnout. Yeah. You were the hamster on the wheel, and you were just completely fried. I so, was bewildered. You've taken some time off now. How are you today? So, today, I am in an amazing spot. I am filled with energy. <laughs> Filled with love, joy, peace, and overflowing with hope. And that's because I did pause and go into a season of healing and I developed new rhythms. So new rhythms, new routines of how to sit and be with Jesus so that I can become like Jesus. One of the definitions of becoming that I have in my book is being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. And so I have worked on all of my rhythms personally, and I have practiced over and over and over. How do I continually and routinely come close to the Father 
so that I do not ever get to the point of burnout that I was before because I was tired, I was weary, I was worn out. And I don't just say those terms. I was in trouble. Like I was in trouble. I was in trouble physically. I was in trouble emotionally. I was in trouble spiritually. I was in trouble financially. And I was in trouble mentally. And so I had to address all those pillars of health. And I did that by having a spiritual director come alongside me until I could be healed enough. And then I went back to school to become a spiritual director. And now I journey alongside pastors and leaders in our community who are always asking that question. Like, I am tired. How do I remain filled up and fueled for whatever it is that God has me to do, whatever my calling is? How do I go into that filled, full, of the Father and not from this place of being drained and worn out. These are great, valuable observations that didn't come easily to author Rebecca Cancelosi, who invites you to her free admission book release party this Saturday afternoon from 4 to 6. It's in Portland at Northeast Community Fellowship Church on Northeast Stanton Street, featuring Dorcas Brown-Smith of the Brown Sisters leading worship. Ought to be a great event. I'll make sure that all of the relevant links are posted on the Difference Makers page at truetalk100.com. And make sure to follow Rebecca Cancelosi on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Her website is c2csoulcare.com. That's the letter C, the number two, the letter C, soulcare.com. More with author Rebecca Cancelosi next on Difference Makers. You're listening to Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee, and Rebecca Cancelosi has written a book. It's titled Becoming an A to Z Journey of Hope and Healing. In fact, this Saturday afternoon from 4 to 6, you're invited to a free book release party being held at Northeast Community Fellowship Church on Northeast Stanton Street in Portland. And Rebecca, you mentioned some of the reasons why you felt compelled to write this book in the first place. So do any particular passages stand out that you'd like to share with us? Well, I think I'd like to read just an section from chapter B. My book is not numbered, but the chapters are lettered A to Z. So there's 26 chapters. And I think I'd like to just read to you a page from chapter B, broken to better. My journey to becoming a better version of myself began with another broken jar. When I was 41 years old, I hit my limit of adversity with raising three children and having a husband who traveled four days a week. I came to the end of myself when a jar slipped out of my weak hands, unsteady hand and shattered on the kitchen floor in a million broken pieces. The spaghetti sauce mixed with glass splattered everywhere. As I broke down in tears, I slipped to the ground in my weakness, feeling defeated, devastated, tired, worn out and incapable of putting the pieces back together, both the parts of the jar and the components of my life. I felt broken. I was broken down and bone tired from holding it all together emotionally, broken from overexerting myself physically in an attempt to numb the relational pain I felt, 
broken spiritually from my belief that my doing for God and others was helpful and would lead to relational intimacy. It was all a big lie. I was broken. The jar was broken. Things were a mess. I felt ugly, and there was no putting me back together again, at least not in my strength. At that moment, I could not imagine how beauty would emerge from the current brokenness of my life. Brokenness is a state of being, blessed from heaven, but enacted on earth, purpose for growth, as brokenness is from God. Brokenness is a state of acceptance, so something abundantly better can be forged. Bear the insult of brokenness, for it brings the ingress of blessing. I sat next to the broken mess on the floor and sobbed, feeling the sadness I had never allowed myself to feel. The tears broke through the dam I had built around my heart and flooded me. I wish that my story were that after a few minutes, I got up, put my big girl panties on, and cleaned up the mess. However, I couldn't clean it up. For the first time in my life, three hours later, there I was, still broken, on the floor, along with a jar of spaghetti sauce, reciting in my head the list of things I would never do or be again. The list, don't be self-righteous. Don't try to dominate, nag, scold, or complain. Don't lose your temper. Don't try to push anyone but yourself. Don't keep up bringing the past. Don't keep checking up on people who don't want help. Don't wallow in self-pity. Don't make threats you don't intend to carry out. Don't be overprotective. And don't be a doormat. Awakening to my brokenness was the first step towards spiritual transformation. Only by knowing who I was could I imagine and see the person I wanted to become. If I were going to become someone new, become who God created me to be, become better, I would have to look at the broken pieces of my life, their sharpness, the sting from abuse, and decide who I would never be again. Wow. I love that. Rebecca Cancelosi, that's from one of the chapters in her new release, Becoming an A to Z Journey of Hope and Healing. Rebecca, can you tell us how long it took you to complete this book once you got started? It took me three years, and that seems really long. I started in October the year, I believe it was 2020, because it was during COVID. I didn't have to drive my kids to school. I didn't have to go to events. There was a lot of time, and so I started writing. And I had written in a journal for about seven years, and one day... I just heard God say, it's time to start writing. And so I started writing three years ago, and that's how long it's taken to get it written, edited, get a pretty cover on it, and do all the pieces that it takes to write a book. And there's times where I thought I wouldn't finish, or maybe I couldn't finish. And there's times where I felt doubt, like, why write this? What is the point? What is the purpose of sharing my pain with other people? But every time that doubt came up, someone would speak into it and I would continue to write. And when I was at the very end and I didn't have chapter Z written and I felt stuck, like stuck, like I don't think I'm going to finish this. I don't even know if I want to. I was at a prayer time downtown Portland and this man, um, JT Thomas, was there from civil righteousness and he was speaking and he was preaching that day and he didn't know me. And he called me up from the stage and he gave me a prophetic word. And he said, I see you writing a book. I see you 
writing a book that is going to provide health, hope, and healing to people, to individuals, and to families. And then he prayed over me. And after I left there, I finished the book. So I just literally had the energy and the motivation and the fire to finish after. If God's going to speak to some stranger telling him that I'm writing a book, I think I better finish. So that's how I finished. Well, congratulations, Rebecca Cancelosi. How did you celebrate the completion of Chapter Z? (laughs) I went on a retreat because I'm a spiritual director and I'm a contemplative. And so I believe in silence and solitude and retreating. And so I went to Mount Angel, which is a retreat center here in in Oregon. It's a little bit below Salem. And when I was in my school for spiritual formation, that's where we went for all of our classes. But this was just me going on a retreat and just celebrating and being still and hanging out with the Father and just pausing after finishing so that I could regain strength. Because when I did finish, I I felt tired. I did feel tired after finishing the book. So I paused and there is some distance between when I finished and when I'm releasing this. Rebecca, you mentioned deliberately, intentionally going out to experience some silence. Mm-hmm. So in today's smartphone, social media-driven world, do you think that people have more of a difficulty of turning everything else off and seeking silence and solitude? Yeah. Our society is not wired for us to be taking these moments and these pauses of silence and solitude. Our world is just distracted by social media and we are distanced from one another. And the social media is causing us to just be in these compulsive brains where we're just constantly next, next, or our phones buzzing. And so I think it is a spiritual practice to be able to say, I'm going to put my phone down. I'm going to shut it off for an extended period of time, whether that's two hours, three hours, 24 hours, or I'm going to go and I'm going to go on a half day retreat, a full day retreat, and I'm not going to be on my phone. I'm not going to be on my computer. I'm going to sit with the Father in heaven. I'm going to forge intimacy so that I am ministering and whatever your job is, whether you're in ministry, whether you're a CEO in a company, You've got to learn to pause and be filled up with the fullness of the Father so you can go back back out into your job and do what God is calling you to do. Great insights, Rebecca Cancelosi. Thank you for sharing that with us. Earlier on, you'd mentioned that you grew up in Hawaii. Where in the birth order did you lie regarding (laughs) these nine kids that your parents had? Great question. So out of nine I am number two. I have one older brother, and then I am the oldest girl. And so then seven more come after me. And what's interesting about, I don't want to get into Enneagram talk right now on on the radio, but on the Enneagram, I am a number two, which is called the helper. And so I was literally in position two, became the helper. And what happened in my family system is that there was a lot of babies born within a short amount of time. And so there was four babies by the time I was four years old. And um, I started to pay attention to needs not being met at a very early age. And I started to feel very anxious every time my mom told me that she was a pregnant again because all I could think about was kids not getting 
fed or needs not being met. And so everything was predispositioned and wired in me to be looking and caring about others' needs and not as um, wired to be thinking, how do I feel and what do I need in order to. So I am number two in the lineup of nine. And that's a long story. Well, that's for sure. To a degree, I'm sure you're a bit of a second mother to your younger siblings. Yes. And so when I look back at pictures in some of the albums, I... I always had a baby on my hip. So I was always holding one of my younger siblings and caring for them and really acting as a mother instead of a sibling. And so in my healing, what was needed and necessary is for me to really recover from that birth order mindset. (laughs) I had a birth order of I'm older, I'm better than, and really this prideful um, lens that needed to be shed so that I would see my siblings now that we're grown up, I'm not better than, I don't know more than you. I'm just one of. And so I'm one of the nine now, and I can show up really different now that I relate to them as a sister and not that role as a mother. I'm sure that's been a lot healthier, not only for you, but for your siblings as well. So congratulations on getting past that hump, Rebecca Cancelosi. Earlier on, you had mentioned that uh, your dad had found another woman and abandoned you all and how that affected your faith. So share with us, what brought you back? Was there a gradual process for you? Was there a light bulb moment? Was there a mentor figure in your family? When did your faith become your own, Rebecca? Yeah, for me, coming back to the Father and spiritual formation was slow and steady and gradual. And so I actually did make a commitment at 23 years old and was fully in relationship with the Heavenly Father at 23. But I would say that it was a slow and steady journey from that point forward until 44. When I hit 44, I was coming out of a season of healing. And that's when, let's just say, life got really fun. And um, I, I had a few supernatural encounters with the Lord and a few healing encounters like physical healing happened in my body supernaturally. And um, that's when a real shift happened in my relationship with God because I'm a thinker. And so I spent most of my life in my thinking brain. I know, I know that I know that I know I knew scripture and I read scripture and I knew of God intellectually. But when I experienced God's love coming flooding into my body physically and actually feeling the love of the Father running through my body, that's when I started to know about God more, like intimately. I didn't just know about Him. I know of Him as my Heavenly Father and my loving Father. And so I think that's when the real transition happened from me viewing God through the lens like I did my earthly dad of being distant and far away to Heavenly Father is close and He is near and He is always with me and He is He is my protector, and He is my provider, and He's the one who points me and guides me and leads me, if I can be quiet and still enough to listen to what He has to say. It seems like, Rebecca, it took a pause in your life. In your case, the actual miraculous healing of some ailments that really grounded you back with the Lord in ways previously unseen. 
Yeah, so that chapter that I read to you from chapter B, broken to better, and I'm reading you a moment where I'm 41 years old and I'm broken down and tired. I had reached a level of burnout where I was actually in stage four adrenal failure. I had post-traumatic stress syndrome and clinically diagnosed multi-level post-traumatic stress syndrome. And some people get PTSD from war and some people get PTSD from the mental health war that goes on within their home. And so we had a mental health war that went on with in our home with our older son. And um, also in my family of origin, mental health was undiagnosed. So we had multiple people in our family who battled anxiety, who battled ADHD, who battled um, anger. <laughs> the list goes on. Alcoholism, adultery, as I said with my father. Um, and I, from me witnessing all that, I developed a really severe chronic case of anxiety. And so from that place of being broken down physically and then pursuing God for my healing, I was miraculously and suddenly healed after three years of really suffering and struggling with post-traumatic stress syndrome. I was healed supernaturally of PTSD and it was, it was beautiful. Well, praise God. He's brought you to this place of peace. And congratulations on your new book, Rebecca Cancelosi, Becoming an A to Z Journey of Hope and Healing, as well as having Dorcas Brown-Smith of the Brown Sisters lead worship at your book release party this Saturday afternoon from 4 to 6 or so at Northeast Community Fellowship Church on Northeast Stanton Street in Portland. All the details will be up on the website, truetalk800.com, on the Difference Makers page. So on our way out, Rebecca Cancelosi, author, healed woman. Is there anyone you want to say hi to or send a shout out to? I think I'd just like to shout out to my husband, Robert, who has been my number one cheerleader. And from the second that I said I was going to write a book, he has been nothing but encouraging. Every, every chapter, every word, he has just said yes. He's so encouraging that he contacted this big organization for me to speak about my book when I only had like three chapters written. <laughs> so I like to shout out to my husband and just say thank you for the support and the love. Sounds like a great supportive husband. All right, husband, get out there and support your wives. Rebecca Cancelosi, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to share with us about your book, Becoming an HZ Journey of Hope and Healing. And thank you for listening to Difference Makers. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.